Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence, the presence of your spirit. Thank you that there is reality in life, eternal life in Jesus Christ. And thank you that you saved us, redeemed us by the blood of your son. Thank you for granting us faith to believe you, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that your spirit would come and you'd grant us an ISAB anointing to hear and to see your word. And I pray that you'd grant me uh, anointing on my mouth and on my mind and on my inward parts. And that, Lord, I would be, as Jeremy said, that my mouth would be the pen of, as a, of a ready writer. That, Lord, I would, I would cut out what doesn't need to be said and I would speak what you show me to speak. And that your word would be as sharp arrows, Lord, into our heart, convicting where we need conviction, encouraging where we need encouragement, giving us hope, giving us faith, Lord, where we need it. God, help us today in Jesus' name. Amen. The, the title of this message today is, Has Jesus Let You Down? Has Jesus Let You Down? Hebrews 10, 32 says, But recall, can you stand for the reading of the word, this first section of scripture? We do that to honor God. We do it according to the scriptures. And Ezra, they, when Ezra spoke the word, they all stood in reverence of the word, those who could. And I understand if you can't, you can't. Hebrews 10, 32. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. The, the writer is saying after you, you were illuminated... God took away your blindness and you could see the gospel. You could see what Christ was offering you. You endured a great struggle with sufferings. You see, when you come to Christ and you're born again, you've entered into another kingdom and you've entered into a battlefield. You've entered into a war zone. And so when, if people say you come to Christ, everything's going to be easy, they're wrong. When you come to Christ, you're going to enter in to a great struggle with sufferings. Verse 33 partly while you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and tribulations. That means the old friends, the old family make fun of you. They reproach you and you enter into tribulations and partly while you became companions of those that were so treated. In other words, you became part of the body of Christ. And there's a struggle. There's a fight. There's a battle. Young Angie, who gave her life to Christ this last weekend, there's going to be a battle in her life, a battle. To walk with Christ, she's going to enter into struggles and sufferings. And we, as the body, need to pray for her. Verse 34, for you had compassion on me and my chains, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods or the loss of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. You see, when the Holy Spirit saves you, even in your losses, even in your sufferings, even in your struggles, he gives you joy. He gives you joy. Praise God. Then it says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence or your faith, which has great reward. The devil's going to try to get you once you start this journey to give up, to cast away your confidence. And the writer says, don't cast it away. There's a great reward. Verse 36, For you have need of endurance or patience, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Verse 37, for yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not delay or tarry. Look, Jesus is coming again. I've been a Christian for 40 years plus. I've never seen such anticipation that Jesus is coming back. 
that he's coming soon. Verse 38, for now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, retreats from their faith, walks in unbelief, it says, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition or destruction, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. You may be seated. We are not of those who draw back to destruction, who give up our faith, who who cast away our confidence. We are those who continue believing this gospel we first believed through trial, through struggle, through temptation, through confusion. We endure by the grace of God. And God will give us joy in the trials. Job 23, 13 and 14 says, But he is of one mind, and who can turn him? And what his soul desires, even that he does. He is in one mind, and who can turn him? God has thoughts and plans that he can't be turned from. Did you know one of the greatest struggles in the Christian life is that we have a plan for our Christian life and God has a plan for our Christian life and these two things rarely run parallel? God has a plan and what's in his mind for your life and for my life is what he's going to do. And if we hold on to what we think is our plan for our life, we're going to get discouraged and we're going to get confused and we're going to think God has let us down. Verse 14, for he performs the thing that is appointed for me, and many such things are with him. Do you know he has things appointed for your life? He has things appointed for my life. He he performs the things he's planned and appointed for our good. It says, all things work together for good to those that love God, that are the call according to his purpose. Even the bad things work together for our good. But you know that he has plans that he often doesn't consult us about? He has plans that as the master architect and designer of our lives, he doesn't run by us and say, do you like these blueprints? What what do you think about these plans? He doesn't do that. He says, these are my plans for you. And my plans are to prosper you, not to harm you. My plans are for your good, but it will include suffering. It will include a cross. Jesus said, if anyone will come after me, what? Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Well, you take up a cross, you don't take it just to carry it, you take it to die. Right? You take it to die. Jesus is saying, if you're willing to follow me, you're going to have to die. But I'm the resurrection and the life. Praise God. Isaiah 55, 8. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. That's where a lot of the conflict comes. It's that our blueprint, we say, God, you, what, do this. He says, no, I've got a plan for your life. You need to submit to me. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. John 11, verse 1. We're going to be reading a lot here, so if you have your Bible, open up to John chapter 11 or read it on the screen. Starting in verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Verse 3 says, Therefore the sisters sent to him, or to Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love 
is sick. Lazarus had fallen sick suddenly, and this was not just a, a cold. This was not a sniffle. This was not a sore throat. It wasn't a headache. It wasn't some vomiting. He was really sick. So sick that they sent messengers. Mary and Martha said, send to Jesus. Tell Jesus that the one he loves is sick. That this is very serious. They were sending to Jesus so Jesus could come to Lazarus and heal him. I imagine Martha and Mary quoting the Psalms to their brother. Psalm 41, 2. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he will be blessed in the earth. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will sustain him upon his sickbed. In his illness, you will restore him to health. I can imagine them quoting the Psalms and saying, remember all his benefits, who heals all your diseases. Lazarus, hold on. Jesus is coming. Lazarus, hold on. Jesus, we know he loves us. We've seen his miracles. He's coming. coming, And he will bring life. He'll bring Just hold on to the promises, Lazarus. John 11, verses 4 through 6. When Jesus heard that, or the messengers came and told them that Lazarus was sick, he said, this sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Hallelujah. What a great word. I'm sure the messengers took that word and headed back to Mary and Martha. Back, they were hurrying back and to say, hey, this sickness is not unto death. What is death? Death is the permanent separation of the physical body from the eternal soul or spirit of man. Death is also used in the scriptures of the separation of our sinful flesh from our spiritual life in God. Verse 5, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus loved them. You know, he loves you. He loves me. That's the reason I love him. I would have no love in my heart for God if I didn't receive his love for me. Right? We love him because he first loved us. And when you receive that love by faith, when you come to God ceasing to earn his love and ceasing to earn his favor, ceasing to work for it and getting off the performance treadmill, just saying, God, I receive your love. I receive your grace because that's who you are. That's what your word says. You begin to receive it by faith. And as you receive the love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit, now you have something to share. It overflows, like Lydia was saying earlier. It overflows out of you, back to God, and back for people, because that's his heart. Praise God. He loved Lazarus, and he loved Martha, and he loved Mary. Verse 6, so when he had heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. What? Wait, he loved them, but then he intentionally delayed? He loved them, but then he seemed to ignore their cry to come? He loved them, but he stayed another two days where he was? He knew the urgency of this. He heard the messengers, come, Jesus, come. The one you love is sick. This is really serious. Martha and Mary desperately wanted Jesus to come immediately and heal Lazarus. But God had different plans. I imagine them watching their brother decline, get sicker, and praying that Jesus would come any minute. 
When the messengers returned, Lazarus likely had already died. Think about that. The messengers return, and Mary and Martha see their brother die. And the, and the messengers, Mary and Martha, are totally shocked, totally confused. And the messenger said, Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And they're looking at their dead brother. And they're preparing his body for burial. And they're wondering, where is Jesus? John 11, 15, 11 through 15. These things he said, and after that he said to them, this is before he, he went to Lazarus. He's still with his disciples. He had waited for two full days. And it says, our friend Lazarus sleeps or is sleeping. But I'm going to him to wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll, he'll, get, he'll get well. He'll wake up. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. If Jesus had come to Lazarus while there was still some life left in Lazarus, he would have been, he would have been helping Lazarus recover. Jesus would be assisting in the strength, the little physical strength that Lazarus had left. And his disciples had seen this kind of miracle many times. He had, they had seen him heal uh, people that were sick with different diseases, with epilepsy and, and leprosy. He, they had seen him take blind eyes and make them see and deaf ears and make them hear. They had seen miracles that Jesus did on living people. But Jesus was calling them into something greater. He was leading them into a deeper faith. He was saying, I'm glad I wasn't there so that when you come and you see what I'm going to do, you'll believe. They already believed in him, but he was leading them into a deeper, a deeper faith. They, he was leading them to see him in a new and greater way. John eleven seventeen, and then I'm going to read some selected verses in the chapter. So when Jesus came, he found that he, or Lazarus, had been already dead in the tomb for four days. Four days. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. She ran out to where Jesus was, but Mary was sitting in the house. I think of Mary and Martha, Martha being the worker, the one that's the busybody a little bit, and Martha being a little bit deeper spiritually. She, she was the one that would sit at Jesus' feet, right? And Martha would say, Jesus, would you tell Martha, my sister, to come and help me serve? I think, G I think Mary had just a little bit deeper intimacy with Jesus than Martha did. He, he loved them both. They both loved Jesus. But there was something a little bit deeper in Mary. And I believe she was even more hurt by the fact, Mary was more hurt by the fact that Jesus didn't come. Martha ran out to meet him, but Mary just sat. She wasn't moving toward Jesus like she normally did. She sat in the house. Verse 21, now Martha said to Jesus, Lord... If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha had lost all hope. As long as her brother had some life, she believed Jesus could heal him. But when there was no life left in Lazarus, her hope was gone. 
Look at what she says. But now, I, even now, I know that whatever you ask, God will give you. This was like this blurred out thing, this say the right thing to Jesus. She wasn't expressing what was really in her heart. Even now, I know that whatever you ask, God will give to you, Jesus. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know that he will rise in the resurrection at the last day. Martha's saying, I have faith. But she was so disappointed in Jesus not coming and letting Lazarus die that her faith had withered into a theology about distant things. She hadn't given up her faith altogether, but she'd stopped believing in the miracle working power of Jesus. And she's just like, I believe he will rise at the last day. Far off, far away in this, in this far away time. But her present faith was shattered. Jesus had let her down in her own mind. If you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Jesus didn't say, I will be the resurrection and the life. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. One of his great I am statements, he's saying, I am presently the resurrection and the life. Don't just look for me to bring resurrection some far off day at the, at the resurrection of the just. Look to me now, Martha. I will raise your brother. Praise God. Praise God. When we finally die to all confidence in our flesh, in our strength, and our, when our life is gone, then our resurrection is near. Sick things can be healed, but only dead things can be resurrected. Jesus said in verse 26, And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. And when she had said this, these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. Remember, Mary's sitting in the house. Mary's faith is shattered. Jesus had let her down. But her sister comes to her secretly because there's all these people there gathered to, to mourn with them and to comfort them. And she whispers, Mary, the teacher's come. He's calling for you. He's come. He's calling for you. You see, Jesus always calls to us in our disappointment. When we feel he has let us down, when our faith is shaken, but he sends a whispering messenger to let us know that he's calling us out of unbelief back to himself. He's calling your name. Are you in a place right now where Jesus has let you down? Where he's disappointed you in some way and you say, well, I believed God. I believed he would do this. I believe he'd heal this person. I believe he going to bring some type of, of healing and, and do a miracle, and he didn't. And I'm disappointed in your own life. Have you looked and said, I thought you were going to do greater things in my life, and I'm still struggling with this horrible, stinking flesh? Listen. 
The teacher has come and he's calling for you. He sees us in our disillusionment and he calls us to come to him. Verse 29, as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Mary likely had a flood of negative emotions about Jesus letting her down. But when she heard he was calling her, she arose quickly and she came to him. That's the remedy, friend. That's the answer. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. But when he whispers to you in your discouragement, in your disappointment, and he calls your name, he's saying, come move toward me. Come to me. I will strengthen you. I'll show you the plan of God. Hallelujah. Verse 32. Then when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But Jesus was there. He was in a different place, probably a day's travel away, waiting two days, but he saw. He's the son of God. He was aware that Lazarus was sick and dying before the messengers came. He watched Mary and Martha praying and hoping and waiting and, and agonizing over watching their brother die. He saw everything. He felt their prayers. Yet he waited and he endured their grief, their suffering for greater glory. He said, this sickness is not unto death. It's not unto a permanent separation of Lazarus' soul from his body. Hallelujah. Jesus may be waiting for a greater resurrection in your life. You're saying, God, you messed up. You messed up the plan. I prayed. I expected you to move. I expected you to save. I expected you to heal. And you failed. Jesus is waiting because he has the master plan. He has the master plan. And that plan is not a patch-up. That plan is resurrection. It's a greater testimony. It's a greater glory that he's calling you and he's calling me into. Praise the Lamb. Praise the Lamb. Verse 33, therefore when Jesus saw her weeping, he sees Mary at his feet weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, verse 35, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. He wept. This was not a little tear coming down his eyes. This was a groaning. This was a heaving, weeping. Hebrews 4.15 tells us we don't have a high priest who can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities or our weaknesses. He feels what you're going through. He feels when you're agonizing, when you're angry, when you don't understand what God is doing in your life. He feels it. Praise God. John 11.36-43, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. They could see his love by his groaning, by his tears. Even Listen, even though Jesus knows he's going to resurrect Lazarus, he loves and weeps over his friend in his suffering and in his dying. Jesus is with us and he's loving us in our dying and in our death. He feels the grief of those around us watching us die. 
He feels the grief of those seeing us struggle in our faith. He sees it. And he mourns with us, but he has a plan. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Of course he could. Couldn't have God come to you and answered your prayer just the way your plan had planned it out? Of course he could. Jesus could keep us from death. But he would depriving himself of the glory he redeemed us for. He could keep us comfortable and pain-free. But death is the only way to resurrection. Remember, Jesus waited for, for Lazarus to die for the glory of God that he would be glorified. Verse 38, then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead for four days. Let me ask you a question. I want to just say this first. There are three, there are three types of, of death and resurrection. The first is when you're dead in your sins and the Holy Spirit illuminates you to the gospel and you believe on Christ, you're, you're dead and buried with Christ and risen with him. You become a new creature in Christ. There's the th I'm going to tell you the third one. The third one is when your physical body actually dies and you get a new body to be with Christ forever. That's the thing we're going to be really excited about, right? Middle one is the one that most Christians miss. And this is where our flesh, that old sinful nature, that old Adam is crucified. As Paul said, God forbid that I should boast or glory in anything but the cross of Jesus Christ, by whom the world's crucified to me and I to the world. You see, it's a dying of your old Adamic nature and then by faith seeing that that nature is on Christ and that you've been crucified with Christ and now you're no longer living from the old nature, the Adam nature. You're living from the new nature of Christ. That's that middle part. That's that between salvation and glorification. And that is, is a hard thing. That's a place a lot of people stumble. That's a place a lot of people get discouraged. Right? But God has a plan to take your flesh and my flesh, that old Adam, he's already done it at the cross, but to make it a reality in our lives where we die and Christ lives. Where the works that we do now are Christ doing them through us. Where the power of the world to, to drive us and to say to your flesh and to be so strong and so loud is broken. And now when the flesh cries out, it's this little dead voice. Why? Because you're crucified with Christ. And you're resurrected now in his power. Listen. To you believers who are going through this process of dying, are you starting to smell? Martha said, Lord, roll away the stone. He's been dead four days. It's going to stink. Are you starting to smell? Is all you sense about yourself the stink of death in your flesh, your pride, your selfishness, your helplessness to heal yourself? And you feel like, I can't go on. Like, I'm, I'm coming, I'm getting, I want to follow God, but I'm getting weaker and weaker. I'm getting worse and worse. I'm, I'm like Lazarus. I'm sick and I'm getting sicker and sicker. And I, Jesus isn't helping. 
asking him to help me. I'm asking him to heal me. I'm asking him to change me. And Jesus, in his divine wisdom, is waiting for you to die so he can resurrect you in the likeness of himself. Praise God. Praise God. Don't be discouraged by the stink. You're right at the door. Jesus is saying, roll away the stone. Praise God. Verse 40. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? My friend, the devil works so hard to get us to doubt God right before he's about to come through. Right before he's about to come through and Jesus strengthens their faith and he said, don't, don't doubt now. Don't doubt me now. Didn't I say that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And they expressed their faith by getting behind that stone, that heavy cold stone and moving it out of the way. See, God always invites us by faith. He doesn't just say, just believe. He says, he invites us to show our faith. Roll away that stone. That stone represented the cold reality of death and unbelief. And he said, roll away your unbelief. I'm about to do something miraculous. Hallelujah. Verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing here, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Hallelujah. That Greek word for loud means, it's from the word magna in the Greek, and it means substantial, having weight, having authority, a great power. It may not have been that it was very loud, but when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, it was clear. It was authoritative. It was powerful. And Lazarus heard the voice. Lazarus heard the voice. Only dead people hear the voice of resurrection. Are you dying? Are you dead? Are you ready to give up? You say, I've tried this Christian life. It's too hard. That's because the old man is trying to live it rather than Christ living it through you. God is saying, I will speak to you. There are some that haven't heard God's voice in a long time. You say, this is, I don't know what's wrong with my Christian life. Let him bring you to death. Jesus planned this death for Lazarus. Jesus planned this sickness for Lazarus. Lazarus. Jesus told Peter, he said, when you are old, you, people will take you to where you don't want to go in your own nature. He's talking about the way he'd glorify God by his death. You don't have to concern yourself with bringing yourself to, the, to, to death. You just have to concern yourself with yielding to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit says, do this and you surrender, you're moving toward death. You're trusting him. The Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, these all died in faith. What did Lazarus do? He just held on to his faith until he died. These all died in faith. Just hold on to Christ. Just hold on to him. And when you die in your flesh and he brings you to that place where there's no strength left in you, there you realize there's no good thing in your flesh, now you're ready to hear the voice of resurrection. 
You're ready to hear the voice of the Son of God calling you into new life. Praise God. The Son of God is about to call some of your names. Praise God. He will do this with every true child of God. John 5, 25, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. The dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. Have you ever heard it said, well, a dead man can't do anything. He can't believe. Well, guess what? Jesus is saying here, the time is coming when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, the spiritually dead, and those who hear will live. Those who respond to that voice in faith, they will live. They will come to life. Praise God. Verse 44, John 11. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. This was to the glory of God. This was the greatest miracle Jesus did. This was the miracle that preceded everybody going haywire and crazy because when this, this undeniable miracle of Lazarus' resurrection caused even more people to follow Jesus. Testimony went out. People were completely convinced that this was the Christ and the Pharisees were full of jealousy and said, we, gotta, we can't, we're getting nowhere. We need to crucify this man. Do you see when the, when the church, when you and I as individuals die and then are resurrected by the Spirit, and this is a process throughout our lives, Paul said, always caring about in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the resurrection of Jesus might be seen in you. We're dying, but we're bringing life to you. What a miracle, right? What a miracle. When the church actually begins to embrace the cross and, and, and accept and surrender to the death that he's calling us to, we're going to rise in resurrection. We're going to be different. People are going to say, man, you're different than you were a month ago. I, I don't know what's changing in you. It's, it's resurrection life. It's the life of Jesus. And that testimony is going to draw people to your light. It's going to draw people to Jesus Christ. People were drawn to Jesus through his resurrection of Lazarus. And people will be drawn to Jesus through his resurrection in you and in me. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to close there. I want to invite you to come to Christ. Are you in that place? Are you in that place where, like Mary was, where you're sitting, you hear that Jesus has come, and you're sitting because you're in a place of disillusionment, and you say, God has let me down. Christ has let me down. I prayed. I've asked. I believed. He didn't come. That wasn't his plan. That was your plan. Are you willing to hear him speak and whisper to you, I'm calling your name. Will you come to me? Are you willing to move toward Jesus like Mary was? Maybe all you can do is come to his feet and weep and say, Lord, if you had, if you had come and answered my prayers, it would have been different. Maybe that's all you can do. Maybe you don't have any great faith. Mary didn't have great faith. She just fell at Jesus' feet with weeping, with tears, and, and a broken heart. And then Jesus took over. All he's saying is, come to me. 
respond to me. I have a plan for your life, and that plan is resurrection. So I know this is a short message. I believe this is from the Holy Spirit. I changed what I was going to preach for this week, and I'll preach it next week. But I believe God put this on my heart, and I believe God is speaking to you, to hearts here, that if you're honest, you know. I don't have to convince you. You know God's speaking to you. I want to invite you to come to the altar, and I just ask you to, to pray and to, to lay down before God, to kneel down before Christ, and just pour out your heart to him. Pour out your heart to him. I'm telling you, he's offering us hope, saying, I'm going to resurrect you. I have a different plan. It's not just to make your old man better. It's to take your old man to death. I'm, w- I'm waiting for you to die because I'm bringing in a resurrection. I'm bringing in a greater resurrection for my glory. And he wants us to taste and be partakers of that glory. So I open up this altar to you right now. Let's just, let's just wait on God. Let's just wait on him. Let him move by his Holy Spirit. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Just come and pour out your heart to him. Just come and humble yourself. He responds to our action. He responds to our faith. Praise you, Jesus.